Before we start the show today, I just want to remind you that we are now producing new bonus content and a weekly wrap-up show for everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash amped up and for as little as $5 a month, you'll get two new bonus videos and bonus shows with me and my producer Rob a week. Thanks again for supporting the podcast and enjoy today's show with Marjorie Cohn. Welcome to Amped Up. This is your host, Ryan Knight, and our guest today is Marjorie Cohn. Marjorie is a professor of law at Thomas Jefferson School of Law. She's the former president of the National Lawyers Guild, and she is on the advisory committee of AssangeDefense.org. Marjorie, welcome to Amped Up. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You know, I'm very excited to have you here. We've had a ton of listeners uh, calling in and telling us that we have to do a show on Assange. And so I'm just delighted that you were available uh, to make this show happen. Uh, Look, you know, just two weeks from now, um, on January 4th, 2021, a UK judge will decide whistleblower Julian Assange's fate and whether he will be extradited to the United States and charged with the Espionage Act for conducting journalistic activities and exposing the highest levels of the United States government and military in war crimes and human rights abuses in Iraq and Afghanistan. Marjorie, how did we arrive at this moment where a journalist could face up to 175 years in prison for simply doing his job? And what are the implications of the upcoming ruling on the freedom of the press? Because if they can prosecute Julian, for doing his job, wouldn't this embolden governments all over the world to start prosecuting journalists? Yes, it actually would. And during the Obama administration, they considered charging Julian Assange for basically conducting journalism, and they <laughs> decided not to. Um, they they decided that it, they had what was called the New York Times problem. Charlie Savage wrote about this in the New York Times because WikiLeaks didn't do anything differently than the New York Times, Der Spiegel, Le Monde, other newspapers who published what WikiLeaks had leaked. So although they considered charging Julian Assange, they decided not to. Now, when Trump came into office, he learned that Obama had commuted Chelsea Manning's sentence to the seven years she had already served. She had a 35-year sentence for leaking these documents to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And because Trump hated everything Obama, Trump decided, and of course, Trump talked about the enemy of the people, the press being the enemy of the people. He set his sights on Julian Assange and, and actually filed a secret indictment, and then eventually it became public. And Julian Assange is facing 175 years in prison for conducting journalism. He is charged, as you said, under the Espionage Act. One of the things that that really kind of blows my mind about Donald Trump, um, I mean, there's many things, but, you know, when Julian Assange, when there was information that was revealed from WikiLeaks that was damning on the DNC and, you know, that implicated the DNC in the 2016 primary uh, and how they rigged it against Bernie, uh, Trump was loving Julian Assange, right? When he could get something from him. Uh, and now it's like, you know, he finds out Obama, you know, because Obama did something and Obama, you know, now he's 
completely flipped. Why, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, how is it that this man, you know, one minute he loves Julian Assange and now he's, you know, his justice department is prosecuting him. It just reeks of, of hypocrisy and, and corruption and, and it's, it's ridiculous. Well, as you know, I'm sure, Ryan, uh, Trump is motivated solely on the basis of self-interest or what he perceives as his self-interest at the moment. Um, and he lives his whole life to uh, get revenge on people he thinks have wronged him. And that's the way he behaves. Um, when he thought that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks had published information with DNC emails, which, by the way, um, there were there was another organization that got that information under Freedom of Information Act request. But at that point, Trump said, I love WikiLeaks. And then, of course, he found out um, what Obama had had uh, done or refrained from doing um, with not indicting Julian Assange, but commuting Chelsea Manning's sentence. And he set his sights on Julian Assange and has gone after him with a vengeance. Is is Julian Assange the wrong person on trial here? Because, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but it seems pretty clear to me that the U.S. government and military officials who were implicated in war crimes and human rights abuses should be the ones on trial. And the journalist who exposed these war crimes and did nothing wrong should be free and should have a medal around his neck, really. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ryan, because what is lost in discussions about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks in the corporate media, um, and there's been almost a total blackout of Julian Assange's case in the corporate media, notwithstanding the really severe implications for journalism. Um, but what they failed to mention is that Julian Assange is being prosecuted for revealing evidence of U.S. war crimes. In 2010 and 2011, WikiLeaks published material that Manning had provided to them, and, uh, and they included the Afghan war logs, 90,000 reports about the war in Afghanistan, including um, documentation of a greater number of civilian casualties than coalition forces um, by coalition forces than the U.S. military had led on. They also published the Iraq war logs, 400,000 field reports um, that documented more than 15,000 unreported deaths of Iraqi civilians and the systematic murder, torture, and rape by the Iraqi army and authorities that were ignored by U.S. forces. And they published the Guantanamo files, 779 secret reports constituting evidence of the U.S. government's torture and abuse of men and boys ages 14 to 80 at Guantanamo in violation of the Convention Against Torture and other cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment or punishment and the Geneva Conventions. Now, perhaps the most notorious disclosure by WikiLeaks was the so-called 2007 collateral murder video, and it depicts a U.S. Army Apache helicopter target and fire on unarmed civilians in Baghdad. At least 18 civilians were killed, including two Reuters reporters, and a man who came to rescue the wounded was killed. And to add insult to injury, an army jeep drove over the dead body 
literally cutting it in half. And that constitutes three separate war crimes under the Geneva Conventions. And yet we don't hear about this. Um, There was a three-week extradition hearing in London where Julian Assange is imprisoned. And there was almost no media coverage of the hearing in the first place by the corporate media. And what little coverage there was failed to mention, for the most part, that there was evidence of war crimes that WikiLeaks published. And this, he, Assange and WikiLeaks did us a tremendous service to reveal exactly what our government has been doing in our name and with our tax dollars. That's right. And I've seen the video that you're talking about. They also released, WikiLeaks also released video. And it is one of the most graphic and and violent and inhumane and cruel videos that I have ever watched in my entire life. And to hear, uh, you know, them actually order the execution of those, you can hear them order the execution of the Reuters reporters and those innocent civilians. And it's just absolutely, um, you know, I just remember seeing the video and my every, you know, hair on my body, you know, stood up. Uh, and, you know, so often, you know, this country and our corporate media uh, and our government feeds us this propaganda of, you know, that we're fighting these wars because somehow that for freedom and democracy and patriotism, you know, they dress it up like, you know, with all these words. But really, you know, is that really what we're doing over there? You know, or are we fighting these endless wars uh, to, to make the oligarchs richer and to make the defense industry richer uh, and, and to go and, and, and plunder other countries' natural resources. You know what I mean? And so for me, what strikes at the heart of this case is they're going after Julian because he kind of exposed, you know, the corrupt war machine that is, uh, you know, the Pentagon and the military and the United States government. You know, he really uh, exposed the military industrial complex in a way that we haven't seen in this country, you know, since maybe the Vietnam War, you know, when, you know, the, I can't remember the name of those papers that were released, but that also the Pentagon papers. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That also exposed just the corruption uh, and and the war machine uh, of of our government and our military. That's true, Ryan. And Daniel Ellsberg, who leaked the Pentagon papers and was charged under the Espionage Act uh, the way that Julian is, although uh, he was uh, uh, he actually gave those papers to the New York Times and the Washington Post. He testified at Julian Assange's extradition hearing and said that what Julian Assange did was very, very similar to what he did mm. in terms of the incredible importance of the revelations. And one thing about the collateral murder video, you can hear the dialogue between the people in the Apache helicopter and the That's people who are, are approving this uh, this basic mur- basically murder of civilians. And they say, look at those dead bastards. Mm. And one which they're, and they're talking about civilians, unarmed civilians who were killed in cold blood. And one of the witnesses at Julian Assange's extradition hearing drew a parallel between this conversation and banter uh, among the people in the army, the the, uh, army helicopter, and the George Floyd, public lynching of George Floyd. Mm. I thought that was a very, very interesting um, uh, analogy that was drawn. But yes, what has happened is that Julian Assange dared to reveal U.S. war crimes mm-hmm. and to to call um, the into question 
uh, and basically uh, put a lie to much of the information that our government has been telling us about its imperialistic wars, and unnecessary illegal wars in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and the illegal detention of detainees at Guantanamo. Would Julian Assange get a fair trial in the United States? And, and that's my first part of this next segment. And how are they even charging Julian Assange with the Espionage Act in the first case, considering that he's not even an American citizen? Is there even a legal basis for this? Well, this is what we call a case of first impression. It hasn't happened before. So uh, I guess this would be litigated if Julian Assange is extradited to the United States and stands trial. Um, and that's what Trump is trying to do, get Julian extradited to the United States so that he can stand trial um, for these Espionage Act allegations. And uh, your first question now was... Would Julian get a fair trial? In the a United fair trial, States? yes. Um, the answer is, in all likelihood, no. Um, he has been charged in a U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, that's the most right-wing court in Virginia, which is where a lot of the so-called war on terror cases were, uh, were um, brought. And there was extensive testimony at, Ju at Julian's extradition hearing from experts in the prison system who said that in all likelihood he would be housed in a secret, in, in, a, uh, in a supermax prison in the United States, be held in solitary confinement, which amounts to torture. It mm. can create hallucinations, um, cat catatonia, even suicide. And he is a suicide risk because of the severe psychological torture that he underwent um, when he was in the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years under a grant of asylum in London. And um, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, Niles Meltzer, documented this psychological torture, and he has recently called for Julian's release or um, or release on house arrest. The other thing is that, um, and let me just finish the, the fair trial piece. So being housed in a secret max prison, a super max prison in the United States means that Julian would be limited in his interactions with his lawyers, which is a Sixth Amendment violation and a Fifth Amendment violation, the right to counsel, the right to due process, the right to fair trial. Um, and the corporate media would have a field day um, and uh, talk about allegations in Sweden of sexual assault, which have been uh, have been dropped. The investigation's been dropped because they were trumped up. They have totally been discredited. The so-called complaining witnesses have recanted, and yet I can I can imagine that that is what the corporate media would would focus on. So um, when Julian Assange was in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, he had some very serious health problems, and yet the, the UK government, the British government, would not allow him to go to a hospital to be treated for pulmonary, hmm. uh, pulmonary infection and other kinds of, of health uh, problems um, without arresting him. And so these problems got worse and worse. And now Julian Assange, who is in custody in Belmarsh Prison in London, a very high security prison, uh, who, who has committed nothing but the misdemeanor of bail jumping, and he's already more than served his, his time on that, um, he is being held so that he can be extradited to the United States. 
Um, but he is at risk for developing the COVID virus because lots of people in the Belmarsh prison have the virus and Julian has this pre-existing pulmonary condition which would make him very vulnerable and perhaps susceptible to serious, serious illness and death if he were to contract the coronavirus. Hmm. You know, with just a few weeks until the January ruling, pressure is starting to mount uh, on Donald Trump to use his pardon power, uh, a preemptive pardon to free Assange and, and take a stand against the persecution of journalists and whistleblowers. But we have seen throughout his presidency that Trump has little respect for a free press, uh, or any press for that matter, that doesn't give him favorable coverage. However, we have also seen Trump be very unpredictable and unconventional uh, throughout his presidency, and that he can change on a whim if he thinks that doing something will benefit him. Do you think Trump will pardon Assange? And if you were making a pitch to Trump, why should Trump pardon Assange? I don't know. Again, he's unpredictable. Edward Snowden has called. He said, don't pardon me. Pardon Julian Assange. He's the one who should be pardoned. Um, if I had Trump's ear, and it's kind of a repulsive thought, but nevertheless, um, I would say, listen, Donald, um, look at what Julian did. Uh, he he basically helped you win the election because uh, WikiLeaks revealed Hillary Clinton's emails 11 days before the election. Um, why don't you reward him for that? Uh, that would be my pitch to Trump, whether it would uh, succeed or fall on deaf ears. Uh, who knows? But I don't know what kind of lobbying he's getting, if any. Uh, but I sincerely hope he can see his way to pardoning Julian Assange. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that it would you know, we are seeing pressure and it's actually interesting. This is one of those issues that kind of unites the more uh, left progressive movement and some conservatives and libertarians. So we're actually seeing some kind of, you know, some unity there when it comes to pardoning Assange. And I'm starting to see more people, you know, free Assange was trending on social media recently. And, you know, I'm starting to see more and more people rise up. And, um, you know, I just, I, my hope is that we can get we can get more people talking about this because Trump is, you know, he's a narcissist. And <laughs> sometimes you have to appeal, you know, if we can get him to save Assange, shoot, I, you know, I disagree with everything Trump stands for. But if he will use his power for, for once to do some good and, and use his power to free a journalist who's done so much for humanity and so much for the world, shoot, I'm, I'm all about it. So, you know, I think we need to keep raising the pressure. I think we need to keep, you know, tweeting free Assange and, and keep, you know, getting the story out there as much as we can. Uh, cause as you said, there has been a media blackout and we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but if, if, if Trump doesn't do the right thing and grant uh, Assange a pardon, how do you see Biden and hit in his administration, uh, handling this case? That's a really good question, Ryan. I would hope that he would follow in Obama's footsteps because he's he's trying to do that in many ways and many other ways in terms of some of his cabinet appointees, et cetera, um, and decide that the continued prosecution of Julian Assange will chill journalism in an unprecedented and dangerous way. Um, journalists will think twice about reporting classified information, information that's critical of the U.S. government for fear that they'll be charged under the Espionage Act. So hopefully 
um, we can appeal to Biden on that basis. And uh, he has made some derogatory comments about Julian Assange in the past. But on the other hand, he is an Obama man. And Obama considered, as I said, but refrained from charging Julian Assange. So hopefully, um, if Trump doesn't pardon Julian, um, then uh, then Biden will. And, uh, and it's, it's not really a question of pardoning him. It's a question of dropping the indictment. Right. He, he can do that. His Department of Justice can dismiss the indictment. And, uh, and then that's it. Yeah. And back in October, uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Thomas uh, Massey introduced uh, House Resolution 1175, which defends the freedom of the press and states that news gathering and publishing are protected under the First Amendment and calls for the U.S. to drop all charges and efforts to extradite Assange. Uh, Representative Justin Amash uh, from Michigan also co-sponsored it. But we've hardly seen any Democrats get behind this legislation or for that matter, even mention Julian Assange's name. Why are so many Democrats who claim to care about freedom of the press reluctant to support this legislation and support freeing Julian Assange? Well, again, Ryan, I think that they are still upset with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange for the DNC emails. They they think that it hurt Hillary Clinton. I think there were many other reasons that she lost. Uh, but I think that's why they and some liberals are hesitant to support Julian Assange. Now, no media outlet or journalist um, has ever been prosecuted under the Espionage Act for publishing truthful information, which is protected First Amendment activity. Um, journalists are permitted to publish material that was illegally obtained by a third person if it's a matter of public concern. And the U.S. government has never prosecuted a journalist or a newspaper for publishing classified information, which is an essential tool of journalism. And I think that is the uh, the tack that we have to take with many of these legislators um, to to pass legislation. And but again, it's an executive decision. Uh, it's it's one thing to have a sense of Congress or a resolution that would not be binding um, because uh, it is an executive decision uh, by the Department of Justice whether to to uh, prosecute. Um, now, the Department of Justice is supposed to be independent from the president. Right. Um, and of course, we know that uh, Trump has demanded complete loyalty from his attorneys general, beginning with Jeff Sessions, one of the most right-wing, dangerous senators, um, who re recused himself from the Mueller investigation, which the law required him to do, and Trump was furious and fired him. And then we have William Barr, um, who has saluted and marched to every order that Trump has given in just a, a uh, humiliating way. And yet even he could not say there was massive fraud in the election because there wasn't. There was no evidence of it. And of course, he was forced to resign as well um, because Trump saw the attorney general as his own personal lawyer. Um, on the other hand, during the Obama administration, um, I'm sure that Obama consulted frequently with Eric Holder. And one of the uh, one of the worst things that Obama did, I think, and he did a number of of things that were uh, that were very bad, including extensive surveillance, including droning civilians in seven different countries. But one of the worst things he did was to refuse 
uh, to his his Department of Justice refused to hold accountable the torturers from the Bush administration um, who engaged in a massive and widespread program of torture and abuse uh, of prisoners in U.S. custody in Iraq, in Afghanistan, uh, at Guantanamo, and at the CIA black sites. And Obama said, we want to look forward, not backward. And so Eric Holder, probably in conjunction with Obama, although he's supposed to be independent, um, did an investigation of two of the most egregious cases, horrible cases of torture and, and killing um, that took place in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then decided there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute. Um, and uh, so who knows how independent uh, Eric Holder actually was from Obama, but uh, the Attorney General and the Department of Justice are part of the executive branch, but they are not under the president. And uh, we'll see how Biden treats uh, his Department of Justice and uh, in his attorney general eventually. Yeah. Kind of want to shift gears. Why is the mainstream media, you kind of alluded to this earlier, why is there this media blackout? Why are they largely ignoring the Assange trial and extradition hearing? Especially considering the implications that this could this case could have on the free press. That's a really good question. I think liberals are concerned about the Hillary Clinton email issue, but I think the corporate media perhaps um, doesn't want to have to deal with these allegations from Sweden that, again, have been roundly discredited. And he never was actually charged right. um, with any kind of crime in Sweden. He was not. He was not. But the mainstream media did make a big deal out of it because, you know, when, when, when there's an allegation, when there's smoke, there's fire, which I, as a criminal defense attorney, try to disabuse jurors, prospective jurors of that uh, of that uh, issue, of that that feeling of that that um, theory, because, you know, I, I often would say when I was practicing law uh, and, and selecting a juror, um, Mrs. Jones, you know, this prospective juror, um, do you think my client here, Bill Smith, is guilty or innocent? And uh, oftentimes that prospective juror will say, well, he must have done something or he wouldn't be arrested. In other words, where there's smoke, there's fire. And uh, so that's that's my feeling. And also um, the corporate media in bed with defense contractors who get rich from these uh, war crimes that we commit. Um, they don't want to expose that. They don't want to talk about U.S. war crimes. Um, that's just not a popular position with the corporate media. So I think that both of those things perhaps play into the virtual media blackout of the Julian Assange case. Now, if he does get extradited to the United States, and this would take a few years, um, now I'll say I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, then perhaps there will be more media coverage uh, by the corporate media. Who knows how accurate it will be? But um, Judge Baratzer, who basically tipped her hand when Julian's lawyers asked that he be released on bond because he was a risk of getting COVID, especially uh, dangerous risk with his pre-existing conditions, um, she said, well, in all likelihood, he'll be extradited, basically prejudging the case. And in 96% of the cases that have come before her for extradition, she has granted those extradition requests. Now, if she does grant extradition of Julian Assange to the United States and, you know, basically granting Trump's uh, request for extradition, then there would be a series of appeals throughout the UK and eventually um, in the European Court of Human Rights. 
And so this could take a few years. And meanwhile, Julian Assange um, is in virtual solitary confinement. I think he is by himself 23 hours a day. Again, that constitutes torture. Um, and uh, his health is at great risk, both his mental and physical health. And there were a number of experts, mental health experts, psychiatrists who testified at his extradition hearing that he is a strong suicide risk. Um, in addition to the UN Special Rapporteur Niles Meltzer saying that he was uh, subjected to prolonged psychological torture. So I hope that he lasts long enough to see these appeals uh, through. Um, and, uh, you know, he really should be released uh, immediately, if not sooner. Yeah, I'm, I want to read a tweet from Christine Assange, who is Julian Assange's mother. Um, she said, uh, she tweeted this a few weeks ago. She said, uh, let my son go. We've all got the message. If a courageous journalist reveals the unvarnished truth about power, he will make his life and that of his family a living hell. Send his broken body and tortured mind home now before you kill him. Uh, free Assange now. We reached out to Christine Assange and asked her if she would like to speak to us about her son, and her reply gutted me. She wrote back to me and she said, many thanks for the offer, Ryan, but due to the trauma of my son's persecution and torture, I can no longer do interviews. It's okay for you to say that I'm too traumatized from a decade of watching my son's brutal political persecution and torture to give interviews anymore, and that's why you are going to use my tweets. You know... I think so often lost in this case is that Julian is a human being with a mom, a dad, a wife, uh, and children. And our corrupt government has stripped him of his freedom, his humanity, and his dignity, all because he had the courage to reveal the truth to the world about the corruption, the torture, and the war crimes committed by the United States government. Marjorie, how can the United States claim to be a human rights leader when it is violating the basic human rights of a brave journalist? Well, the United States claiming to be a human rights leader is the height of hypocrisy um, in this case against Julian Assange and all over the world where the U.S. government um, supports and finances dictators and has for years um, in the interest of creating so-called stability for uh, corporate investment. Um, and the United States has, you know, we talk about election, uh, foreign interference in election, the, the U.S. government has overthrown democratically elected leaders in a number of countries, including Iran and Chile and Guatemala, and the list goes on and on and on, and installed vicious tyrants, vicious terrorists, Pinochet, the Shah of Iran, that have terrorized their people. And, uh, and Israel is another example where the United States uh, gives Israel $3.8 billion a year in military assistance, while Israel continues to illegally occupy Palestinian lands and violate the human rights of the Palestinian people. And I I'm sorry to say, I don't think much of this is going to change under a Biden administration. This is the system right. that has been in place for years and years and years. So treating Julian Assange, who, re who was the messenger 
who revealed evidence of war crimes um, is really no different than uh, the U.S. government's violation of human rights all over the world. And in fact, um, there are two laws, the Leahy Law and the Arms Export Control Act, that forbid U.S. assistance to governments that engage in gross violations of human rights. And yet in, in direct violation of those laws, um, the United States continues to uh, support the, um, <clears throat> the prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, talk about the human rights violations in Saudi Arabia. They're just too numerous to mention. And the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and Julian often speaks out against the cruelty and the inhumanity of war and the military industrial complex. Uh, and the information, as we've said in this podcast, he revealed to the world in the Iraq war logs showed that the United States government and military are not on some noble crusade over there. You know, they're committing war crimes, they're committing torture, and they're committing human rights abuses. Is the United States going after Julian so they can continue to wage these endless for-profit wars with impunity and prevent any future journalists from daring to reveal information that indicts the corrupt U.S. war machine? I think so. That's kind of the I heart of this, right? It is. It is the heart of this. And that's why I said at the beginning um, that what Julian Assange and WikiLeaks did was to reveal evidence of U.S. war crimes. And we don't see that. If you look at any media coverage of, of uh, the case, you rarely see that mentioned. And that's really the guts. That's the heart and soul of why Julian Assange is being persecuted and prosecuted. Yeah. And kind of in conclusion, you know, what does this case say, uh, you know, this case against Julian Assange, what does this say about the United States of America? Because, you know, how can this on one, how on one end can this country, can our country say that, you know, we believe in the free press uh, and then on the other hand, uh, prosecute the free press? You know, how can, you know, what, what does this case to you say about our country? Well, we do have freedom of the press in the First Amendment. It's enshrined right there in the Bill of Rights. Um, freedom of the press until the press starts revealing evidence of wrongdoing by the U.S. government, specifically war crimes by the U.S. government. And there, uh, freedom of the press takes a back seat um, and is, is not enforced the way it should be. So I think that this case is an outrage. It's an outrage that he suffered for those seven years while he was under a grant of asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy. And as soon as the government of Ecuador changed, Trump jumped on the, uh, of course, Trump helped that happen, uh, jumped on the uh, the opportunity and, and indicted him. And uh, he went into custody and the, the new Ecuadorian uh, government allowed the uh, British police to come in and arrest him and hold him in a solitary confinement. And uh, from start to finish, this case has been a travesty. And in addition to one human being whose life has been shattered and in his family as well, and that's Julian Assange, um, journalism has really taken a hit. And I'm afraid that if this indictment does go forward and if he is convicted, um, that it will chill journalism in a very serious way so that journalists will think twice before reporting the unvarnished truth about the misdeeds and the war crimes of the U.S. government. And my last question to you, if there's something you could say to Julian Assange, what would it be? 
Keep the faith, Julian. Hang in there. We're fighting like hell for you, and we're going to do our best to free you. Marjorie, uh, thank you so much for joining uh, us today and for this uh, very insightful conversation. Uh, is there? Uh, how can my listeners follow you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Marjorie Cohn, M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E-C-O-H-N. And my articles and videos and books and podcasts, et cetera, are at MarjorieCohn.com. Uh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much and uh, uh, for, for joining us today. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me and thanks for your important work. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marjorie Cohn. And before we go, I just want to remind everyone that we are now producing two bonus shows a week for all of our Patreon subscribers as a way to say thank you for supporting our podcast. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash amped up. And for $5, you will get access to those two bonus videos. One of them is our weekly wrap-up show that I do with our producer, Rob, where we break down uh, the most important stories of the week and give you our straight up analysis on what is going on in this country and how we can make this country better. So go to patreon.com slash amped up to check that out. And also I want to thank our benefactors who uh, contribute $20 a month to the show and who make uh, this work possible. Uh, I want to thank DJ Comatose. I want to thank Lloyd Chapman, Patty Cleary, Elizabeth Kim, John Paul DeLuca, John Michael DePardo, Susan Sarandon, the Movement for People's Party, John Lipman, Sarah Aziz, Tiffany Mahmood, and Eric Peterson. Thank you so much for your generous contributions. And I, I want to thank everyone for supporting the podcast and listening to the podcast. And uh, I know it's been a tough year for all of us, but uh, you know we are doing the best we can over here. And I look forward to bringing you many more podcasts uh, in the new year. And we will have a special holiday show for you uh, next week. And I hope everyone has a safe and happy weekend.